أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page number 17 of the Quran and page number 17 is towards the end of the first juz Surah Al-Baqarah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse number 106 at the beginning of page number 17 he says A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem ma nansakh min ayatin aw nunsiha na'ti bi khayrin minha aw mithliha أَلَمْ تَعْلَمْ أَنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Any revelation that we cause to be superseded or abrogated or forgotten, we replace with something better or similar. Do you not know that Allah Azza wa Jal has power over all things? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about one of the fundamental aspects of revelation that as Muslims we must understand. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the one Jalla fi ula, who controls his sharia and he does whatsoever he will subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one can come and question Allah Azza wa Jal. No one can come and object to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no one can stop Allah Azza wa Jal from changing the rulings of his sharia if he so pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is said that one of the reasons for the revelation of this verse 106 in Surah Al-Baqarah is because the people of the scriptures of the past, they, uh, they objected when they heard that the Prophet Sharia that there would be a level of abrogation, what is called a nasq. And a nasq is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changes one ruling to another ruling. So he removes one ruling and replaces it with another, or the ruling completely is taken away from the Sharia. That is something which we have examples of in the Quran, in the Sunnah of the Prophet But they disregarded this, or they objected to it, and they said, what kind of religion is this that can't make up its mind? One day it's one ruling, and the other day it's another ruling, and so on and so forth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that Allah azza wa only does this to bring something similar to it in ruling, or something which is better than it. And that is why the scholars of tafsir, they say, that if you were to look into that issue of an, an nasqh, the abrogated verses and rulings of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, what we have in our religion, our Sharia, if you were to contemplate over them and analyze and study them, then you would see very clearly the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the rulings that were abrogated. And that is from the mercy of Allah azza wa jal. And there could be many reasons for that. From those reasons may be that as we know, the Muslims at the beginning of Islam in the Meccan period went through an extremely difficult time with challenges and persecution and so on. And so some of the rulings that were given to them were in, 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 uh, in line with those, that situation and, and the, the environment that they were living in. But over the time, over time that would change as the Muslims migrated to Medina, as they established their Muslim state, as they became stronger and so on and so forth, and the Iman becomes stronger, then Allah Azza wa changes those rulings over time. And so we can see, for example, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the beginning allowed people to consume alcohol, but so long as they didn't pray, 
during that time or they didn't consume alcohol during the times of prayer but that would later on change and that ruling would evolve to the extent that the prohibition of alcohol became as we know something which was uh, which was comprehensive in every single regard uh, likewise another example of this is the changing of the qibla the Muslims at the beginning of Islam would pray towards the, the, the direction of Jerusalem, of Baytul Maqdis. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we know, towards the beginning of the Medinan period, He changed the ruling and commanded the Muslims that they should pray towards the Kaaba in Mecca. And so these are examples of, uh, of abrogation, of changing the rulings of the Sharia. And Allah azza wa does so as He pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why Allah azza wa concludes this surah, uh, this particular verse by saying, Alam ta'lam. Do you not know that Allah Azza wa has power over all things? Who possibly has the audacity or the ability to be able to come and object and say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot change his rulings as he pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala? And Allah Azza wa says this because the uh, you know the Jews themselves within their scriptures, the Christians within their scriptures and others, they have abrogation within their scriptures as well. So how can they possibly object to the Prophet wasallam having it in his sharia when they find mention of it in their own books? For example, in the books of, of the Torah, in the, in the divine revelations that came before, we have the story of Ibrahim wasallam when he takes his son, with the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he should slaughter him. And as we know, Allah azza wa changes the ruling and he replaces his son with the ram. That's something which we have in our Quran, is something which the previous scriptures mention as well. That is an example of abrogation. Allah azza wa gave one ruling and then he changed the ruling. No longer does he have to sacrifice his son, instead a ram or a sheep would suffice. And so this is present within the previous scriptures as well. So then why are you so amazed or shocked or feigning surprise that it is something which we have within the Sharia as well, something which the Prophet ﷺ brought as well. And even if they didn't have it, even if it was the case that they didn't know of it before, who are they to possibly object to what Allah Azza wa does? And that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next verse, He says, Jalla fi ula in verse 107, وَمَا لَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مِنْ وَلِيٍّ وَلَا نَصِيرٍ Do you not know that Allah Azza wa controls the heavens and the earth and everything within it? He has the dominion of the heavens and the earth. And indeed, you have no protector or help besides Him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He controls everything. So He can do as He pleases. He can legislate what He pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala. He can change whatever He pleases. What he wants to make obligatory will be obligatory. What he wants to prohibit will be prohibited. What he wants to allow will be allowed. And what he wants to disallow will be disallowed. He is the one who chooses what is halal and he chooses what is haram, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why in our religion, it is not befitting for me or for you or for anyone else to come and to change the rulings of Islam, the laws of Islam, because that's not our position. That's not the authority that we have. Who are, to, are we to possibly try to rival Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his rulings, in his laws, in his sharia, jalla fi ula. And so Allah azza wa says to the people of the heavens and the earth, or to, to the rather to the Muslims and the non-Muslims, that Allah azza wa controls the heavens and the earth. To him belongs the dominion, the kingdom of the heavens and the earth, and he does as he pleases, subhanahu wa ta'ala. But rather these arguments that are being made by the people of the scripture who came before are ways of argumentation 
They simply want to debate the Prophet ﷺ. They simply want to go into arguments, their ways of, their attempts of trying to disprove the legitimacy of the Prophet ﷺ. And that is why Allah continues and He says in verse number 108. Do you wish to demand of your messenger something similar to what was demanded of Musa salam? Whoever exchanges faith for disbelief has strayed far from the right path. This is one of the ways that you are trying to dispute with the Prophet ﷺ, just as you used to dispute with the Prophet Musa Are you trying to come and bring your justifications? And we've already had an example of this in the story of the people of the cow, that incident that takes place where they continuously question the Prophet Musa concerning the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how they want to be argumentative, how they don't really want to submit. And we said that the one we said then that one of the greatest lessons that we take from that story is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the Muslims to be people of full submission, to enter into Islam wholeheartedly and completely, to not be those people who cherry pick parts of the religion that suit them and leave other parts that do not suit them. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't be like the people of Musa. When the people of Musa came to him and they said, Jahra. We want to see Allah before us with the naked eye. We want to see him, present him before us, and then we will believe. These types of demands, these types of arguments, these types of, you know, of constant rhetoric with their prophets and messengers, this is the thing that we were warned against. And the Prophet told us وسلم, in the hadith from that which destroyed those who came before us is that they would argue, that they would be uh, argumentative with their prophets and that they would ask too many questions that would make things extremely difficult upon them. So you now want to do with the Prophet wasallam as you did previously with the Prophet Musa wasallam, And that is what Allah says, so therefore the one who wishes to take what is Iman and to exchange it with what is disbelief, then they have indeed uh, indeed strayed far from the right path. There is a difference here when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says don't ask these types of questions, don't be argumentative. There is a difference between what is being mentioned here and what the sharia encourages by way of you seeking knowledge and asking questions that you need in order for you to understand your religion and to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jal, for example says in the Quran himself فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of knowledge if indeed you don't know. That is the type of question though that you're asking in order for you to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to understand your religion. Someone doesn't know how to pray or they have a question about salah, they ask that question. Someone's looking to get married or they're in a marriage and they want to get divorced, they need to learn its rulings. Someone wants to begin a business, they want to learn what is halal and what is haram by way of business dealing, so they need to learn. Those are things that are encouraged. In fact, to not ask those questions is considered to be problematic and it is highly disliked or sometimes it could even uh, lead you into falling into the haram because that type of knowledge is obligatory. But the type of questioning that is being referred to here, the questioning that doesn't have any benefit, doesn't bring you necessarily closer to Allah or give you a greater understanding of religion, it is simply to be argumentative, it is simply to try to find a way around the laws of Allah to circumvent the sharia. Those are the types of questions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes and wards us off against. 
Allah Azza wa Jal then continues in verse number 109 and he says, وَدَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ لَوْ يَرُدُّونَكُمْ مِّنْ بَعْدِ إِيمَانِكُمْ كُفَّارًا حَسَدًا مِّنْ عِنْدِ أَنفُسِهِمْ مِّنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُمُ الْحَقِّ فَاعْفُوا وَاصْفَحُوا حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِأَمْرِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ Even after the truth has become clear to them, Many of the people of the book wish that they could turn you back to disbelief after you have believed. Out of their selfish envy, forgive and forbear until Allah gives his command. Indeed, he has power over all things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that even if you were to clarify these issues, and even if they were to understand that you are upon the truth, that you are upon iman, many of them would still love for you to turn back to disbelief. And that is, as we mentioned before, as a result of the envy and the jealousy that they possess for you in their hearts. The Quraysh, for example, had the same issue. And that is that they disliked that this revelation, this message, this prophethood, this position, this status should be afforded to the Prophet ﷺ at the exclusion of them. And so they disliked that he should be the one that was chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or that he should be the one that Allah appointed to be his greatest and last messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that is why even the Quraysh, amongst their leadership, the likes of Abu Jahl and others, even though they could see the beauty of what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam brought, they had no problem necessarily with their message in terms of what he called to in terms of character and dealings and moral and worship and so on. Their major issue was the arrogance and jealousy that they had in their heart. Why him over us? Why him and not us? Why is he the one that should be given this status and we aren't? And that is why it is reported in the books of Sirah that one of the things that Abu Jahl said at the beginning of Islam, when the Prophet ﷺ would recite the Qur'an and Abu Jahl himself would be mesmerized and amazed at the beauty and eloquence of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One of the things he said in response when he was then asked and questioned, why do you oppose this when you yourself can see its beauty and eloquence? You yourself want to listen to it and yearn to hear the words of the Qur'an being recited by the Prophet ﷺ. Why then do you oppose it? And he replied and he said, because my clan... Banu Makhzum and his clan, meaning Banu Hashim, the clan of the Prophet ﷺ, we have always been in competition. We are competitors. When they do one thing, we do it better. When they do another thing, we try to do it better. But now they claim that amongst them is a man who is a messenger of Allah. How can we possibly compete with that? That's not something which you can buy with money. It's not just something which you can have more people, more hands come and help you with. It is something which is something that Allah gives exclusively to whomsoever he wills from his creation, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it was that type of jealousy. And likewise, the people of the scriptures, some of them had the same type of jealousy that the prophet that they prophesied that they knew would come towards the end of time would not be from amongst them. He wouldn't be from Bani Israel, but rather Allah Azza wa placed him amongst the Arabs and he would be from a different nation and from a different land and a different language and so on. And so that also caused them hurt. And that is why Allah Azza wa says to them, says to the Prophet Sallallahu Be patient, be patient, forgive, pardon, until the affair of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is decided or the command of Allah azza wa comes and that would be the command that would come later on that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would be allowed to fight them because of the harm and the persecution that they were uh, that they had against the Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues in verse number 10 and he continues and he says subhanahu wa ta'ala that alongside 
being patient, forbearing. And remember that the Muslims are going through an extremely difficult time. If you just read some of the stories of the early days of the Muslims and the persecution that they faced, especially during the Meccan period, and the amount of, 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 of heartache and trouble and challenge and hardship and trial and test that they were put under, it is something which is amazing to see how the companions had the Iman by Allah's permission, the steadfastness to overcome those trials and challenges. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to the Prophet wasallam, be patient, forgive, pardon, forget and at the same time in verse number 110 keep up the prayer and give the zakah and therefore from the greatest ways of staying firm upon this religion and from the greatest ways of overcoming the challenges that others may set against you or the, the opposition and the obstacles that you may face from other people it is to constantly engage in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how often in the Quran you will see, inshallah ta'ala, as we go through the book of Allah Azza wa but you may have noticed yourself that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often when he's commanding the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be patient or he's speaking about the harm of the disbelievers towards him, the command that often comes is after that is a command of worship, to remember Allah, to worship Allah, to be from amongst the people of prostration, to worship Allah until death comes. All of those verses that tell the Prophet that one of the greatest ways of finding that power and that strength is to turn to Allah in worship. And likewise here, yes, their harm, their jealousy, their arrogance, all of these things are difficult and they pose challenges. But for you, the way to overcome this, and this is the lesson for the Muslim, for me and you, that when we're faced with economic difficulty, financial difficulty, difficulty amongst our family members, our children, difficulty in terms of our careers or our studies, difficulty in the dunya in general, then Allah Azza wa is saying that the way you overcome them is by coming closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the difference between the believer and the disbeliever. Because the disbeliever is the one who when they're overcome by challenges, they come further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Their mind is so bogged down with so many issues that the last thing that they have capacity for is to turn towards Allah Azza wa to do more worship, to do more ibadah. Whereas the believer is the one who in the most difficult of times, they turn to Allah Azza wa even more. They're already people who are engaged in worship and dhikr and dua. But now in this time of difficulty, they will do more, not less. They will turn more to Allah Azza wa not less because of the certainty that they have and the iman that they possess that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can lift up from them all hardships and difficulties. And Allah Azza wa then continues in verse 110 and he says, وَمَا تُقَدِّمُوا لِأَنفُسِكُمْ مِنْ خَيْرٍ تَجِدُوهُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ and whatever good you store for yourselves, you will find it with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of the patience that you show, all of the forgiveness that you show, all of the salah and the zakah and the other good deeds that you perform, all of this, Allah azza wa jal is storing it for you. For the believers, it is being recorded. And that is why you have that hadith, that beautiful hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where he essentially told us how good deeds and evil deeds work. He said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that whoever intends to do a good deed, meaning that they have a firm conviction in their heart that they're going to do the good deed and then they're unable to do it, they're prevented from doing it, maybe because they're sick, maybe because of some emergency that takes place. They had the intention that they're going to go to the masjid to pray, that they're going to give this money in sadaqah, but then for a valid reason, they're unable to do so. Allah Azza wa Jalla records that as a single good deed. And if they're able to do it, 
it is recorded as a minimum of 10 good deeds all the way up to 700 and Allah may multiply more than that as he chooses subhanahu wa ta'ala on the other hand the one who does or has the firm intention of doing an evil deed they had the firm intention and then they leave it for the sake of Allah not that they prevented because they wanted to do it, but because of one unexpected circumstance or another, they're unable to proceed, but they still intend to do the evil deed. No, but the one who leaves it, intending to do an evil deed, leaving it for the sake of Allah because they're reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or they remember Allah that is written as a single good deed. But the one who goes ahead and does the evil deed it is recorded as a single evil deed. So out of the four possible options, Three quarters of them, 75%, lead to you doing a good deed. Only one quarter will lead you towards evil. The scope, therefore, for doing good, for attaining a reward, for pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so much more than the evil that it is that you could possibly do. And that is why Allah says that when you do that good, you will find it recorded with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Inna Allah bima ta'maluna basir. Indeed, Allah is ever seeing, all knowing, and insightful of everything that it is that you do. Allah then continues in verse 101, 111 rather, and He says, again going back to the people of the scriptures, وَقَالُوا لَنْ يَدْخُلَ الْجَنَّةَ إِلَّا مَنْ كَانَ هُودًا أَوْ نَصَارًا تِلْكَ أَمَانِيُّهُمْ قُلْ هَاتُوا بُرْهَانَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ They also say no one will enter paradise unless he is a Jew or a Christian. This is their own wishful thinking. Allah says, تِلْكَ أَمَانِيُّهُمْ This is their own wishful thinking. Indeed, say to them, produce your evidence if indeed you are telling the truth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that from the claims that they made, the people of the scriptures of the past, is that they said that in order for you to enter paradise, you must be either from the from the people from the Jews or from the Christians. And there is no doubt that every religion holds this belief that the way of salvation and the way to eternal bliss is through their followings and through their teachings. And they made it exclusive amongst themselves that you have to be either from us or you won't get that. Uh, that blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you won't get the reward of Allah azza wa jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dismisses this. Dismisses this because they don't have the right to assert who gets Jannah and who doesn't get Jannah. They have no right to assert who are the people of paradise and who are not the people of paradise. They don't get to make the rules. They don't get to choose. Rather, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who chooses. It is Allah azza wa jal who shows and decides who are the people of salvation and who are the people of damnation. It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who tells us, These are, this is what you must do in order to achieve success. And therefore Allah azza wa jal says, refuting this position of theirs, tilka amaniyuhum. This is their wishful thinking. This is what they want to believe. This is what they hope for. But hope and wishes are not the same as reality. Our religion, we're told to base it on evidence. We're told to base it upon what we have in terms of firm scripture. And even in their religions, they're told a number of the rulings of their religion, including worshipping Allah alone, and including doing the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But by ignoring those instructions, by ignoring those commands of Allah then they have no right left to assert that they are from the people of Jannah. And from their instructions that they were given was that they must believe in the final messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he appears. And so by disregarding all of this, they no longer have the right to make that claim. 
because no longer have they stuck to their scriptures and followed the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jalla says, Tilka amani yuhum. These are wishful thinkings. This is wishful thinking or these are wishful thoughts. Rather, if you want to show some evidence, then bring it forth. Bring forth your evidence if indeed you are truthful. And you will notice that on a number of occasions in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Azza wa Jal demands this from them. Bring forth your evidence. If you claim to worship that there are gods besides Allah, bring forth your evidence. If you claim that you are exclusively the people that Allah loves, bring forth your evidence. If you claim that this Quran is something which is not from Allah, then bring forth your evidence. Because this is how the religion is based. And that is why when we as Muslims want to practice our religion, we want to pray a certain way, we want to fast a certain way, we want to do something or not do something, the question that we must all ask is, what is the evidence? This is our, Allah is telling us in the Quran that this is how you should approach your religion. But evidence doesn't mean that it has to be all logical or that it has to make sense to me or to you or that it has to be based on, on my wisdom or your wisdom. No, the evidence that we need is that it is indeed from the legislation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it is from Allah's words, Allah's commands, that is enough of evidence for me because we have no doubt about the truthfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, about who Allah azza wa is, about his position as our Lord and creator. So therefore, why would we accept that and then dismiss his commands and his laws subhanahu wa ta'ala? So bring forth your evidence if indeed you are from amongst the people of truth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says then in the final verse on this page, page number 17, in verse number 112, Allah Azza wa Jal tells them that actually this is the definition of the people of Jannah. This is the parameters that Allah Azza wa Jal, these are the parameters that Allah Azza wa Jal has placed for success. Not your claim that you simply have to be Jews or Christians. Because amongst those people in their religion, some of them say it is simply enough to believe. For example, that Jesus died for your sins. And to believe in God and in that simple concept is enough for your salvation. It doesn't really matter after that what it is that you do or you don't do. Yes, obviously you should attempt to do more and be good and so on. But that is the basic premise. So long as you accept that, it is enough for you and your salvation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that is, that's not the correct parameter. That's not the parameter that Allah azza wa has given. Rather the parameter is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in verse 112. And that is... بَلَا مَنْ أَسْلَمَ وَجْهَهُ لِلَّهِ وَهُوَ مُحْسِنٌ In fact, any who direct themselves wholly to Allah, you face Allah Azza wa meaning you submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely. Direct yourself wholly to Allah, meaning accept His religion fully. Accept and submit to His commands fully. Believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fully. That is what Allah Azza wa is commanding us to do. So, so long as you worship Allah alone, Submitting to Allah Azza wa alone, believing that He alone is the creator and the provider and the sustainer, that He alone is the one worthy of worship subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He alone is the one who is perfect and, and, and in His names and His attributes subhanahu wa ta'ala, wa muhsin, and at the same time they are people of good, meaning they are people who follow the laws of Islam, who follow the commands of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the sharia that He brought to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, falahu ajuruhu inda rabbih, then those are the people that will have their reward with their Lord. They are the ones who will have success. Iman, belief in Allah, Tawheed, and following the Sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, and his Sharia. Never will those people fear, nor will they ever grieve or despair. 
Allah Azza wa Jal will protect them in this life, He will protect them after this life. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala will give them contentment in the dunya and He will give them safety and security as they leave this dunya at the time of death and they enter into the life of the grave and then when they are resurrected on Yawm al Qiyamah. So Allah Azza wa Jal says that it's not about thoughts or wishful thinking or anything that you wish to assert, rather, this is the very simple criteria that Allah has laid down for all people. Muslim, non-Muslim, this is if you want to achieve Allah salvation, this is what you must do, submit to Allah fully with Tawheed and be from amongst the people of Ihsan, the people of good, who do actions that are pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah make us from amongst those people. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم